0: This episode of Lord John Lander includes sensitive topics that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to Lord John Lander, the Outlander podcast for Lord John fans, where we talk about all things Outlander, but especially about Jamie and his Sassanac. And sometimes we talk about Claire, too. For however long it takes, we'll lead you on a journey so chaotic, you'll question every life choice that led you to be here today. And like the Hotel California... You can check out any time, but you can never leave. We may not be the Outlander podcast you wanted, but we will be the Outlander podcast you didn't know you needed. Now, before we get into it, this is your one and only warning that show and book spoilers are lurking around every corner. We're going to spoil stuff from future seasons, future books, and our own brains.
0: Remember, if you can't prove our headcanon didn't happen, then we can only
1: assume that it did. If you make it through the episode in one piece, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your burning questions, wild theories, thick prompts, flattering compliments, or whatever's on your mind. You can contact us on Twitter and Tumblr at Lord Johnlander, or on our website at LordJohnLander.wordpress.com, where you'll also find our archived episodes, teasers, thick wrecks, and more.
0: Hello! Welcome to Lord John Lander. We are your hosts. I am Mistress Pandora. You can call me Pan. And I'm Beth. We are today going to talk about episode 211, Vengeance is Mine. But before we do, for us, because we record in advance, for you guys, this is completely old news, but Outlander, it has been confirmed, is renewed for an eighth and final season.
1: Yep. So a little sad that it's final, but I'm glad we're going to get the eighth. And I do feel like there's a a nice ending point at the end of book eight that'll feel like things are tied up nicely.
0: Yeah. I'm really hoping we get plenty of Lord John. That's of course my, my priority.
1: (laughs) Yes. Imperative. And I'm, I'm like, I still am like anxious, like, are there going to be any other grays or are they just completely cutting them out? Like I might riot if we don't get any other grays, because I have a feeling they're like going into book eight in season seven because they were filming what looked like end of book seven. Yes. Then that was like before the holidays And they're still going to be filming, I guess, till March. So. Oh, golly. That's what that's what somebody said. Maybe I may be wrong, which seems like a really quick turnaround for post. But I guess if they're doing like eight, eight episodes, they they honestly, if they filmed the episodes enough in somewhat order, they could be working on post. As as they go, they're still filming. I think what happened with season six is that they couldn't do both at the same time because of covid restrictions. Yeah, because like the people that needed to be there couldn't travel and everyone was remote. So um, that's why it took, I think, so freaking long for post. And plus they had to make sure that Katrina's (laughs) baby belly didn't look, you know, too conspicuous when it wasn't supposed to so um that was another piece i think too but anyway so yeah it was because we're supposed to get season seven also in summer 2023 so and i'm shocked at that i thought it was going to be like january february 24 so
0: right it does that is like around the corner
1: yeah i feel like we'll probably get like, eight and eight. Like, there'll be a break between.
0: Mid-season hiatus. Probably. Yeah. yeah. But who knows?
1: That would make sense. All the cool kids are doing it. We did it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, My dog just went and hid in my closet. I think he's sick of my shenanigans. Um, <laughs> I could hear the tags jingling. So. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? He's, he's never done this before. He's like laying <laughs> On a on a duffel bag at the bottom of my closet. Anyway, get
0: that thing a pillow, poor baby. I know. Anyway, side side sidebar. So, um, we were talking before we started recording about how you realized that we've only got a couple of episodes left, uh, um, to get your history lesson in, and we're in like. Uh, The 1300s, we are just slightly behind, although it occurs to me, you know, if you have a little bit left over at the end of it, we can make that part of the finale. You can just wrap it up.
1: That's what I was thinking, because (laughs) I'm like, okay, because I did this episodes and next episodes and I got through 100 years each. So by the end of episode 12, we'll be um, right around the time of um, Elizabeth One's reign in in um england and with mary queen of scots issues and stuff so um yeah so maybe we will make it to the 1700s i don't know we've only got to Um, get
0: halfway through the 1700s yes
1: (laughs) um okay oh my god i have to tell talk about this though my husband and i started watching black sales which i don't know if you've seen it it's a star show it's really good i've seen I've seen the first
0: two seasons and I kind of started the third and it just like I ran out of brain spoons to watch TV, but it is very, yeah. very good. I do know how it ends. And so that kind of also made it mm. less likely for me to finish it. Not because it's not good. I really would
1: like to see that ending, but I, it's been spoiled. Yeah. So first of all, in one of the first couple episodes, they're like, I don't know, hanging around in some pirate tavern or something. And they're talking and all of a sudden I, I, in the background, I'm like, wait a second, they're uh-huh. playing the, the Outlander theme song. In uh-huh. the <laughs> Cause Claire McQuery does the music. Um, right. and, and then my husband wasn't paying attention at the very beginning where it said 1715. So a couple of episodes in, they were talking about, uh, a, Jacobite rising and my husband's like oh oh, see they're talking about see and I'm like well yeah but it's not the outlander one and he's like what year is it I'm like 1715. like (laughs) Like, paying attention
0: everyone knows it's the first rising like come on
1: (laughs) oh god so anyway but yeah it's really good and um, Jessica Parker Kennedy who is the wife of Ronan Rubenstein, who is the Mm -hmm. star of one of the stars of Nine Hundred and Eleven Lone Star, which is my other fandom, she plays Max in Hamina Hamina. She is so hot. M.
0: Oh, gee, you are in for a treat, my friend. Oh my god!
1: Until. I really saw her. If you'd asked me what my type is for women, I probably wouldn't have been able to give an answer, but now it's, she's my type. Yeah. Um, that's, that's fair. That's real fair. I, and like, I love her husband too. So I'm just like, hello.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You're in, you're in for a treat. I love how that show just basically sh- it's straight baits for the entire first season <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic and then season two I was like oh oh no i i misread this room <laughs> it's fantastic
1: well it's so funny because we we watched um our flag means death and of course that has blackbeard in it but blackbeard is like as you know that it's a love part of it is a love story between blackbeard Mm -hmm. and the other guy i can't remember his name and they're just sort of like you know neither of them have ever been like oh i'm bisexual you know they didn't even know what it was but like they start to have this like romance together so anyway blackbeard they mentioned blackbeard in the show and i was like yeah but he's not gonna be gay blackbeard but maybe he is i don't know i mean it sounds like anything could happen there's um
0: i don't think there's really a whole lot of straight people in that show <laughs> i love it at all and it's not like it's a it's not like they spend any time talking about it really i mean right. it's just it's just indiscriminate sex <laughs> in the best way <laughs> nice it's good it's good no one worries about who it is it's just you know they do what they want
1: yeah, they're pirate. They're yeah. pirates. Like what the hell? Well, come on. And that's kind of how it is on our flag means death too. Like like nobody's like all of a sudden like, "Hey, I'm gay." But like then like, you know, the couple like a couple of little like couples start forming and like they catch one of them like fooling around or whatever and everyone's just like like joking about it, but like not like you know, being mean to them about it. And right. I just, I love shows like that where it's just like, gay is normal. Gay it's is just, just
0: good queerness care.
1: is just part of the atmosphere here. It's the ambiance. Yeah. The, um,
0: the ambiance <laughs> is rainbow. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Anyway, sidetracked again. So um, my history lesson, I'm going to yes. go as fast as I can through this because it is a hundred years. So
0: all right, everyone, pencil's ready.
1: There will be a quiz. <laughs> we will right. have a quiz um for the finale. So if you haven't been paying attention, you better go back and w- listen to me from the other ones. Shit, get. I gotta write that down now because we're both
0: gonna forget.
1: <laughs> okay. go, ahead, go ahead. Don't mind me. Okay. okay. All right. So last week we left off with David II coming home from France. The French had given him asylum there. And he came home from France and began ruling in Scotland in 1342. He did decide in 1346 to invade England at the request of Philip VI of France. Remember, France had given, like I just said, asylum to David in the Scottish court. And they were like, they were like on and off allies against, um, against the English. On October 17th of 1346, at the Battle of Neville's Cross, the English defeated David II's army. There were heavy, heavy Scottish losses, and David II was imprisoned in the Tower of London. Edward Balliol, if you remember him, he was like the nephew of John Balliol, who was like one of the, like a disputed king of England, or I'm sorry, of Scotland earlier. So he returned to, Edward Balliol returned to Scotland in in an attempt to regain control, Um, but he did a really shitty job and he did rule, like kind of rule for about 10 years. But in 1356, he relinquished his claim to the throne. And then the following year, Scotland ratified the Treaty of Berwick and they paid what was the equivalent what was today's equivalent of 16 million pounds or roughly $20 million in ransom for David II's release from prison in England. So in order to get that money, the Scottish people were taxed really heavily. And because of that and the arrival of the Black Death, um, it just pretty much destroyed Scotland's economy. And then in 1367, Edward Balliol died with no heirs. And then In 1371, David II died, and he was succeeded by his nephew, Robert II, or Robert Stuart. So Robert II was the first Stuart king on the throne in Scotland, and he was the grandson of Robert the Bruce, who had ruled previously. In that same year, under the Treaty of Union, Scotland agreed to maintain its independence until 1707, at which time the single kingdom of Great Britain would be created. I have a lot of questions. Like, what were they thinking? Like, were they just like, oh, that's a problem for future Scotland. Like, I I just, I don't know. what And why 1707? Like, it seems pretty arbitrary. Anyway, I, I have a lot of questions and they will not be answered tonight. Robert II's son, John, who was Earl of Carrick, was impatient for his 55-year-old father to die. So he just sort of took over. He became Lord Lieutenant and he was pretty much just ruled and his father couldn't really do much about it or didn't want to. But then in 1388, Carrick led a border incursion into England and they were defeated. And when they were defeated, Carrick Carrick's closest ally, um, the second Earl of Douglas. Remember that name, Douglas, because it's going to keep coming up a lot. They were a big family. Second Earl of Douglas died. Carrick also suffered a debilitating horse kick, which led to his brother, Robert, Earl of Fife, falling into favor. So he he was kind of ruling in his brother's stead, although John, Earl of Carrick, um, eventually became king. So he, when his father died, he took the crown and this is so confusing, but he took the crown and because his name was John, he decided he didn't want there to be any awkwardness because remember John Balliol was, was like a King, but he was kind of like a disputed King. So if he kept his name, he would have to decide if he was going to be John the first or John the second, and he didn't want to deal with that. So he decided that he was going to be Robert III, was his regnal name, which avoided that awkwardness. But then his brother, Robert, was the Duke of Albany, and he was really running the show. So it probably created some problems in that. But I guess they probably just called Robert his brother, Albany, for the Duke of Albany. 1402, Robert III's son, David, died under suspicious circumstances while being detained by his uncle, the Duke of Albany. And then things are just not good between the brothers. And in 1406, Robert II sent his son, James, um, because he was the only son he had left. He had three sons and the other one died at a young age. Um, So he sent his last son, James, to France. He was captured by the English en route to France and spent 18 years as a prisoner of Henry IV. There was a ransom... (laughs) Like they were willing to give him back for a ransom. But, you know, since Scotland's economy had collapsed, paying for the ransom um, of David the second for David the second's release, they probably didn't have a lot of money. And I don't think the Duke of Albany was very eager anyways to get his brother or um, sorry, his nephew back, because that would mean he would fall out of power. OK, Whew. So in 1402, Robert III died and James I was the uncrowned king of Scotland for 18 years while his uncle, Duke of Albany, ruled as regent. And then when his uncle, Duke of Albany, died, the uncle's son, whose name was Murdoch, took over. In 1424, Scotland finally began paying the ransom for James I. (laughs) Nice guys, thanks. Um, And he returned to Scotland with his Sassanac wife, Joan Beaufort. The Beauforts are... I will not even get into it, but they are a very important family in England throughout the War of the Roses and the Tudor era. But that is a conversation for another podcast. When James first returned to Scotland, or er- yes, James I returned to Scotland. He was super mad about how his uncle and cousin had ruled in his place and the fact that they like didn't pay his ransom for like 18 years. Um, So he revoked a bunch of land grants and other things that had been made under the Duke of Albany. And then he tried Murdoch and two of Murdoch's sons, um, he tried and executed them, and then because he was really petty, he decided to make more arrests and fortress, forfeitures of land of people who had supported the Duke of Albany and his son and his sons. Damn. Yeah, he was not. He was not happy. Which I mean, I can see it. Right. In 1346, he attempted to take back the fortress of Roxburgh, which was still in English hands, but it was a humiliating defeat and. He ended up being murdered in 1347 by a discontented council member. So a member of his council conspired with some other folks. I don't know if it was all people on the council or if there were just others involved, but he conspired with them and murdered James I in 1347. Like, whoa. His son, James II, was only seven at the time of his death. So Scotland was ruled mostly by the powerful Douglas family until James II reached majority in 1449. He had to kill a bunch of people in the Douglas family before he could really come into his power, though, even though he had reached majority. But once that was taken care of, um, he started traveling around the country, dispensing justice and starting the practice of Allowing people to buy pardons. He wasn't a really great guy. He had many plans to invade some of the, um, like Orkney and Shetland and the Isle of Man, but he never followed through on them. He did, though, finally take. The fortress at roxburg from the english in 1460 which was what his father had tried to do but he died when he was killed by an exploding military artillery piece which made me kind of think of lord john and the haunted soldier but i digress that was 100 years and that's where we leave off today wow <laughs> yes ma'am
0: wow I like how well I, I don't like it but I like the way you explained James the 2nd and having to uh just like cross some shit off his
1: to-do list. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he just had to murder a bunch of people. But the Douglas family comes back and I can't wait to talk about that because it fucks things up for Scotland so bad. Like it's just like they be like the one of the most evil guys in Scottish and like more modern era scottish history um as part of that family and i can't wait to tell you about that next week and there is so much more there's so much i cut out like i there's so much other infighting and other things um happening i cut all those out because i really just want to focus on the relations between england and scotland and i i barely scratched the surface in my research. And there's, there's just so much. So if anyone's interested, like there's just so much more, this is just barely the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's a big iceberg. Yes. It <laughs> really is. But fascinating. I love like learning about this stuff that I've never really been interested in, and the stuff for next week is all tied in with the War of the Roses and the Rise of the Tudors, which is like my fave. So, that really, I'm going to love that.
0: <laughs> You've gotten right into your special interest.
1: Yes, we are in the special <laughs> interest zone, people, starting next week. <laughs> Thank you very much for all of that research. You're welcome. Oh, hi, doggy
0: yeah fergus hears things
1: <laughs> my it's neighbor
0: okay. came home He's said go back go back to sleep baby whatever shall we get into episode 211 vengeance is mine
1: yes and i would just like to say as a warning for our listeners uh most of this entire episode is lit with just one candle it's so. the same
0: candle throughout, by the way. <laughs> you can tell because it's starting to like, Just you know, you know how you, like your Yankee candle gets the, the, it melts down and then it, like the wick starts to flicker a lot. Yeah. Then it gets smoky. Yeah. yeah. That's.
1: Yeah. And then it starts like blazing and the jar catches on fire. <laughs> Which is kind of a great analogy for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and if what's to come, right? Like this is, we are winding down here, people, and it's not pretty. That at all. I'm not going to go into this at all. I just going to say that before I started watching this episode, I was like, you know, this is the episode where they decide where the brownie Prince decides that they're going to turn back instead of invading London, and I'm like, what do what do the scholars think about like their chances of taking London if you know, they decided to? And quite a few things that I looked up said that They probably actually would have had a good chance of taking London because of several circumstances at the time, like a much better chance than they did when they took Culloden, you know, when they not took Culloden, when they battled in Kaladin. Right. And some of this could be just like whatever confirmation bias or whatever, because I was searching for would the Jacobites have, you know, (laughs) so I'm sure there's differing opinions, but I was interested to see that there were some scholars that. Or, like, yeah, they probably would have taken London.
0: Someone should write that fic. How does Outlander change if they went to London?
1: Yeah. How does the of History change? So, like I said, it's kind of hard to watch at this point because everything yeah. just keeps getting worse.
0: I will say Rupert is not okay.
1: No. No. He's, like, acting, like, more inappropriately than he usually does. Like... Usually he would be the one that would, like, try to, like, make Angus not be absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's so lost that he's, like, you know, telling children about, like, (laughs) getting his tooth pulled and, like, just, yeah. Uh, Every,
0: I think it's, like, every single line that Rupert says through this entire episode is just an expression of grief. Yeah. I think I forgot about that the first time, from the first time that I watched the season. Of course, not granted. The first time I watched it, I wasn't shipping Rupert and Angus nearly as hard as I am now. So, like, speaking of confirmation bias.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This whole podcast is confirmation bias. Who are we kidding? It is. It's our podcast. We can do what we want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, everything that comes out of Rupert's mouth is just... It's just grief. And or Angus's ghost has possessed him and is saying this wild
1: (laughs) shit. I'm not sure. (laughs) The poor guy. He's just, yeah, he's just really down. It's awful. But he does keep going. I mean, he does. That's the thing about Rupert is he does not give up. He didn't quit. Also, like, like the first time you watch this before you know anything about what's going to happen you have no idea about this, but then now of course, knowing what I know, it's like Jamie is preparing to say goodbye to Claire. Like he Mm -hmm. has, he has had this plan in his head since Paris and he's ready to execute on it. And he is saying goodbye. So, you know, he says to her, I'll see you safe, no matter what happens. Um, And even that scene where he's like standing over her and praying, like, mm-hmm. when you look at it through the lens of, like, he's saying goodbye to her, it's just like, you know, he says, you know, he, you know, like, bless the child that she may bear. And I think he even knows, that he even thinks then that, like, it might not be his child. Like, he knows he's going to send her back to Frank. And he knows yeah. that she may go on and have this marriage with Frank and have children and whatever. And every, and then he says, you know, keep her safe in every place and every, every place and every time, I think <laughs> I put place in place in the notes, mm-hmm. um, and on this night and, oh no, he says in this place, and every place and on this yeah. night yeah. and every night, uh, when she wakes up and asks what he was saying, you know, there's kind of the element where he does like, kind of feel like he'd be, he would sound foolish if he told her what he was saying. But I also think like if he told her what he was praying about she would like catch on you know a little bit cuz they yeah read each other pretty well so he just kind of you know for lack of a word blows her blows her off and doesn't answer but in a sweet way so um, yeah
0: he's he's decided he's going to carry that instead of giving it to her he knows he's the one who's going to die and she's going to have to live with it in the long run anyway
1: yeah so in an, in another way you know there's just a lot of grieving happening in this episode because Jamie is already starting to grieve Claire, um, mm-hmm. and you know when they get told that they have to turn back, you know the the soldiers are kind of grieving everything that's happened and like you know their friends died and what was it for if they're not going to actually like follow through with the plan right like yeah I mean. If you say you're gonna take London, like you're gonna defeat the British, like you gotta do it, like you can't. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's like, you gotta mean it, like you, yeah. yeah, like, like basically, like what ends up happening is that they just kind of like it, kind of just like makes the English go back on Scottish soil and defeat them, and but you can't, like, I know it's more complicated than this, but you can't, like, conquer a country without actually freaking invading the country. <laughs> like. You <know>? Yep. That's, <laughs> yep. So it's, um, and I know it's more nuanced than that because technically they're the same country, you know, but yeah. So it's, it's, it's bad. Um, and then also Jamie and Claire are just being very soft and emotional, um, which Kind of had me a little teary, and I was like, "They really are at their best when they're facing like real adversity together." Is that why this show is trauma porn? Yes, I think so. Okay, long, um, I'm glad we covered that. Because <laughs> I, I feel like, and it, to me, it was a sharp contrast between the sort of like the the adversity that they made for themselves in Paris. You know what I mean? And yeah this like manufactured adversity they were not good at that but when they're facing true adversity together they are a united front
0: look at this i have already blocked paris from my mind i have already forgotten that was this season <laughs> what the hell
1: <laughs> i mean the season it's it's really almost two seasons i mean there the contrast between the two is so stark and you know, I think in book two, it works a little more because there's so much weaving in and out of the future and like discovery and, you know, stuff like that. True. That if it flows better, um, but in the, in this, in the show, it's just kind of like this like stark contrast, like there's a line of demarcation. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then Dougal brings, you know, the news that the Bonnie Prince left. He's kicking Jamie out, sending him back to the and Jamie's taking all of this news kind of in stride, but then Dougal tells him that the Bonnie Prince took his horse and Jamie's like, gotta take a moment when he gets that news. <laughs> Which is so Jamie.
0: <laughs> Jamie and horses, man. There's something ja- there. <laughs> Jamie the horse
1: girl. <laughs> ah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of horses, so um, as they're en route back to, they were going to Inverness, I believe. Yes. Um, what did I for, say? I don't
1: even remember.
0: <laughs> anyway, I don't think you you didn't. You just said turn back. I think mm. we'll find out.
1: <laughs> we'll find <laughs> out when,
0: when, when we listen to the episode again. Um, but of course, so they are they're ambushed and attacked by a bunch of redcoats because that that's what redcoats do. We know that. Um, and Rupert gets shot in the face, but and nearly knocked off his horse. I had to watch this twice because I almost missed it. I had actual chills when Dougal switched horses mid-gallop to keep Rupert from falling and saving him. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. This really stuck out to me. This episode stuck out to me in so many ways. And I'm just gonna go through a couple of them. All at once, even though it's out of order. Sure. I feel like they are trying to give Dougal a quick last minute redemption arc,
1: kind mm-hmm. of like
0: they did with Angus right before he died. They have, so between the saving Rupert, showing how he actually really does care about Rupert and how he really does care about the rising and doing the right thing, but he's following Jamie's lead now, which. Yeah was a hard fought battle. Um, And then later on after Claire is captured, Dougal is like, he's team storm the freaking castle. Immediately team storm the castle to go get our girl back or whatever. He said something to that effect. And so I feel like they're really setting him up so that when he buys the farm in an episode or two, it's going to hurt a little bit more,
1: even though it doesn't really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he's the bastard you love to hate but he's very complex he is you know and that I think I think almost more than giving him a re, like a redemption art it's almost like reminding us that there are some good qualities in Dougal you know
0: yeah he's real loyal like he's very very loyal and I think it, co- it comes out in positive ways now where before he didn't really have the same positive outlets or he didn't engage in the same positive outlets that he does now. So anyway, that really, that really struck me that his, his character seemed to be turning a corner in
1: this episode. Too bad he doesn't make it all the way around.
0: You're right. No, you're right though. Like he doesn't actually, he doesn't actually get the full redemption arc, but that is kind of a theme in that People who do bad things in this series don't get the redemption where they have... They, they don't get the arc where they have to live with the bad things that they did. They get to die.
1: They get the redemption that they deserve. We'll just put it that way.
0: We should really have a point counterpoint on that one.
1: At some point, <laughs> I'm not prepared for it yet, but we should... No, me neither. I don't even know if I believe that myself but it sounded good. So
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they've
0: been they've been attacked by the British. Rupert is hurt and they like real real bad hurt. And Claire says we can't move or Rupert will die and so they kind of hunker down in a church. But of course that doesn't last.
1: Yeah. And then the British come and they're going to basically they're ready to just um burn the church down if they don't come out and surrender. So Claire decides to see if the maiden in distress thing works again. And um, if anyone ever really wanted to defeat England, they would just have to send like a bunch of women pretending to be in distress to the front lines and they'd be done for. I mean, why has nobody thought of this? You know, like if they just had a line of english women in the front of the battle of cotton like nothing would have happened um they just they they can't resist maiden in distress Um,
0: lucky though for for claimy because self-sacrifice is like their one that's their only i hate it too but i've been saying it lately and so i'm just gonna lean into it (laughs) self-sacrifice is like their favorite tactic I feel like at some it's point true. someone's going to catch on. And yeah. I just this is a season 7 or season 8 like just a random wish list. I need Jamie to say something like this or or to to throw out some bone-headed self-sacrificial plan like this is obviously this is obviously the solution i'm just going to run towards the stupid as always so that you can run away from the stupid because that's what he does and i need someone to just like hit him in the face like man shut the (laughs) hell up there's plenty of room we can all run (laughs) like i just need that Uh, feels like a good jamie john argument
1: yes Well, that's going to be hard, though, because they're both self-sacrificing. So they'd be, like, arguing over who gets to do the sacrificing. Okay,
0: crack fic idea just (laughs) popped into my head. Someone needs to write this because I I, I probably won't. But (laughs) I need Jamie and John for it doesn't matter why. But I need them fighting over who gets to jump on the hand grenade, figuratively speaking. (laughs) I need it to come to blows. I need it to be stupid and I, need, I need them to like be rolling down into a ditch or something as they're fighting each other over who gets to go do the dumb thing. That's what I need.
1: And then like the dumb thing doesn't get done. So then like Benedicta comes in and it's just like, Oh God's sakes, I'll do it myself. It's just Somebody <laughs> just goes and fixes it. <laughs> Didn't even wasn't even that big of a deal. Like <laughs> we just had to pay our taxes late. Like, Jesus guys. <laughs> oh
0: God. I needed that laugh in this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so be Outlander being what it what, what it is, um, Claire ends up being taken by the English to the Duke of Sandringham. Um,
0: oh, to, quote, fucking unquote, glory day!
1: Keep her safe while they figure out what to do with her. Um, and you know, the only good thing about Sandringham being in this episode is that you know he's going to be dead soon. Like you're like, okay, I can bear this for like 20 minutes because he's going to be dead. <laughs> and then, just a small side note: I d- I didn't really realize this or think about this until I've been hearing so much about. You know the whole stuff with prince harry and stuff Mm -hmm. and there is actually like a sandringham house in um it's part of the royal family's estates which i just think is funny because we know the duke of sandringham wasn't like a real right person it wasn't a title but there is a sandringham house so that's kind of neat anyway
0: i mean they got a cameo names from somewhere i can relate to that because i also hate making up names for things and people yes It's (laughs) (laughs) it's torture (laughs) so i can i can relate to that diana just
1: reuses names because she can't think when she can't think of new names
0: (laughs) to be fair i have like i have gone into like historic like most popular baby names by decade kind of thing and um in the 18th or 17th century sorry 19th 18th century depending upon which country you're looking at that kind of determines the amount of records yeah. that you're able to access. But, uh, like, it's it's John, James, William is the top three. And there's no – and, like, Charles. And there's no getting around it.
1: <laughs> no, I know. And if you, like – I mean, just look at, like, all the Scottish history we have been saying. It's, like, there's John, there's Robert, there's James, there's John, there's Robert, there's James. You know, like
0: <laughs> – At least they have the common courtesy to, you know, take a number so we can at least <laughs> –
1: Track the numbers. But then it gets really hairy when like, what is it? James the fourth or James the fifth of Scotland becomes James the first is also James the first of England. So he's like the so if you ever see like James the first, if they don't specify what of what country, you don't know who they're talking about. (laughs) There was a James the first in Scotland. Uh huh. Yeah. So you have to be specific about this stuff. And actually, I had, I just recently came across a TikTok on my For You page, of course, because I get like English history shit on my TikTok. (laughs) Um, And this woman was like writing out how we got to that point. Like she was doing like a little, little like skimpy family tree showing how it ended up with James being James the Fifth and James the First. So which, which I already knew, but it was kind of cool to see it depicted yeah. that way. Um, yeah. So, Mary is at the the house with Sandringham. Of course she is. Well, it's revealed <laughs> that,
0: because I don't think it was before, but it's revealed that he, he is her godfather. Right. Because we right. didn't know that before. She was with an uncle in louise's husband was her uncle was that it i forget now cousin
1: well he was with whoever the guy that she was gonna marry
0: yeah and then whatever yeah
1: there was someone else yeah but regardless but it is kind of weird though that like in i mean i know it's not weird because like they were holding that surprise for later but like you know you'd think he would have mentioned like oh that's my goddaughter, like, when they were, like, when she was, like, screaming oh, on the an... floor during the, during the <laughs> roll. <laughs> oh my god, you're so freaking right. Do you, sub-
0: <laughs> why didn't that come up?
1: Well, I think because they didn't want to give away the surprise, but, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, this makes no sense.
0: There's no... No, nah, see, I've seen this, man. I There is no way he is that calm in that situation. Like, he doesn't take shit in stride quite that well. Like some Like, some stuff, but come on.
1: He doesn't give a shit about Mary, though. Well, that's true. I mean, he She's, just really, really doesn't. I mean, look what he did to Alex. Yeah, true. So... i'm gonna have to go back because maybe they did mention it i don't but i don't think so
0: i don't know they didn't because claire was surprised in this episode
1: oh right right. she was
0: surprised to learn that sandringham is her godfather and like disgusted too which fair i mean yeah yeah. and so now mary has has come to claire with another crisis because poor poor mary this poor thing can't catch a break (laughs) at all but now she's betrothed to some other nasty old dude. that She doesn't want to marry,
1: and she's trapped in the house with her godfather and her rapist. Um,
0: that's super fun, right there. Yeah, good. Yeah.
1: Wasn't it? Wasn't he going to marry her to the rapist though, or was it another
0: dude? No, it was somebody else. The okay. the rapist is valid,
1: right? That's right. Yeah, and then you know Claire. I mean, she's trying to help Mary, but I'm like, okay, she's butting her nose again, <laughs> again. But she's trying to reason with Sandringham again. I know the part where she like thinks she's tricking him, and she thinks she's like playing him, and he's just like, no, no, like. <laughs> it, it, it- Sometimes she gets a little too big for her britches. Oh, uh, thinking that she's like (laughs) thinking that she's like playing, you know, one over on some people and she's not. That's
0: Um, that's Claire and that's Claire in Peril, though. That's just kind of how (laughs) how she goes. Especially when she's in the 18th century. And we've kind of talked about this before that she gets um she's got kind of this sense of superiority because she's from the future, and she's been in airplanes and stuff and seen elephants. She's not quite as street smart or as, like, cunning as Sandringham, who also does not value human life at all. So that just opens all kinds of doors. When your moral compass points due south, you don't have a lot holding you back.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's funny because, though, Claire the reason she's not a street smart is because she d- hasn't had to be right? right. So she's in, she's now, she's like, she's dealing with all these people who like have had to be They had to have like subterfuges and, and, mm-hmm. you know, be cunning and to survive. And she's never really had to do that to survive. So it's some of it's still a little bit of a, like, I don't want to call it a game because, like, I feel like that diminishes the danger she's in. But, like, she kind of has a little fun with it when she thinks that she's getting one over on someone.
0: And she gets cocky and then it doesn't Mm -hmm. work out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then someone's got to come save her ass. Like... (laughs) We'll probably be talking about this uh, for season 7 but kind of like when she's doing some spying and shit in the colonies and now all of a sudden she doesn't have Jamie around to protect her and so here comes Lord John to save the day. (laughs) Bail her ass out again. God, we're going to get so much mileage out of that.
1: Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Um, So then we, you know, as things go on, like him like is like ha 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 I fooled you and blah 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 and the one thing that like I just really wanted to jump through the tv was like he was basically like you should be thankful I had you raped because they wanted me to kill you (laughs) like like, sorry for not giving credit where credit's
0: due (laughs) like oh you're right thanks man appreciate the extra trauma loving the nightmares fuck you <laughs> god
1: bless and then we have the setup oh. for Murta just being like this absolute quiet unassuming hero in so many situations throughout the, the rest of the season and you know just you I think I mean Jamie said this in the first season like still waters run deep like there's so much going Mm -hmm. on under the surface with Morta, and he really has carried that with him since Paris that he wasn't able to stop those men from attacking them and when he finally fucking (laughs) beheads Sandringham and the world cheered it's like you know he he can now feel like okay, I, I finally did my duty. and But he's still so, like, soft about it. Like, he's like, I lay vengeance at your feet, like, like this gallant knight or something, you know? It
0: was such a dramatic thing to say. So this, I loved it, by the way. This is my favorite, um, I'm just going to say it this way, this is my favorite kill in the whole series. Like, yeah. Jenga, love it. This little fight is really short, it's really fast, and it is so good. It's very well choreographed. It's very well done. And then Myrta just swinging that axe. Holy shit.
1: He didn't come to play.
0: <laughs> oh, no. So, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so there's just so much like going on. You can imagine it. You maybe you can't really see all of it, but you can kind of imagine what's going on. So he has redeemed himself in his mind because he's been blaming himself for Claire and Mary being attacked in in Paris and he's redeemed himself for that because now both of the both of the people responsible are dead. Sandringham is just, you know, he's been he's been waiting to kill this bastard for fucking years mm-hmm. because Haven't this is Jamie's all? oh god. This <laughs> is well this is one of Jamie's abusers too and he doesn't yeah. get the opportunity to kill any of Jamie's other abusers. Yeah ever like he doesn't so that's got to be kind of satisfying and i had the thought like man stick him in a room with blackjack and just let them go at it like let him duel blackjack because there's some rage in there that even jamie doesn't doesn't have
1: i mean wasn't jamie even like doubting up through book nine like if he actually killed blackjack randall or if morta did
0: yeah like he, he couldn't
1: tell and he couldn't remember i can't remember what he i think he ultimately concluded that he did it but like yeah i mean it was quite a possibility that myrta was i wish i could remember from bees but like myrta was at least like fighting blackjack and stuff like yeah he's he's such a fierce defender of the people he loves and you can Mm -hmm. see it just in his devotion to Jamie because Ellen asked him to take care of Jamie, you know, exactly. so he's just so loyal. Oh, I'm going to cry. I'm tearing up. Okay, i that stop.
0: I, I do kind of wonder to try to lighten this just a tiny bit. I do kind of wonder what uh, was going through poor Mary's. I hate to say <laughs> head because I'm going <laughs> to say it twice. I, I wonder what she was thinking when her secret santa brought her, her
1: godfather's head <laughs> if that poor girl does not have a very strong um countenance or whatever not countenance constitution. constitution you know so uh yeah to
0: her credit she didn't puke i don't think i could no. have done any i could have done any better i might have thrown up i if it had been anyone but Sandringham, I might have gotten a little nauseated just watching the show, but because it was
1: Sandringham, it was like,
0: yeah, yeah. rip it off.
1: <laughs> well, it helps with us, too, that it, like, is so very clearly, like, a fake head. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, yes. It kind of takes you out of the moment a little. It's um, a decent fake head.
0: I feel like I saw yeah. a... maybe we talked about it something about uh what's his name simon callow was really excited by the head
1: yes yes i remember
0: that that correctly yeah
1: yeah which i mean fair
0: if you're gonna have an on-screen death in a show like that's the way to do it like just real gory that's the way to do it (sighs)
1: so anyways but you know they escape i think in the book human road ties um they don't really say what happens to him in the show. So I choose to believe he lived on. Yeah, let's go with that. Now they're, with all that resolved, they're ready to um, go starve to death in Inverness for months. Joy! Starved nearly to death, I should say. So that's that's going to be another fun one next week. Although it is going to be fun. Not fun to talk about, <laughs> but like, kind, kind of like delicious to talk about because blackjack's going to be back and he always ups the ante on the episodes a little bit
0: that's true you always think you're prepared to see him again and you're not actually prepared to and see and that him is again.
1: just as much a credit to tobias menzies as it is to the character
0: seriously there is not a i can't think of a single actor who could have done that better no and then no, the way he did. is I mean, he just oh god, he's amazing as both Blackjack and Frank and they're completely distinct characters. And mm-hmm. I'm also really looking forward to like being Team Frank for a couple of episodes. <laughs> 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 That'd be fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like his performance just all three seasons that he's in, it's it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah. He's really good in the crown too, as um, as charles who is now king charles um Mm -hmm. he's excellent in that and it's he's he's like a chameleon you know he's just one of those like
0: he's one of those actors that you can tell that it's him because he has a distinct face and voice but you like it's not right like he, he just he transforms very well yeah definite credit to him um You, do you have thoughts on things that make no sense in this episode? I feel like we kind of blazed through
1: the episode. (laughs) So I have one thing, (laughs) I have one thing, and it's actually more of like a fandom thing that I just Mm -hmm. like to clear up for everybody. Um, I've many, many times seen people take that scene of Jamie, like praying over Claire and then when, and then like when, Jamie says, "I know you're pregnant." Basically, like being like, "Oh my God!" So she was pregnant when he was he was like praying over her and for the child she may bear. Blah blah blah. And like, I just I know it's like so fun to think you found that parallel, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but or that connection. But this is really not a, a jab at anybody who's thought that because the show makes it look like there's like a matter of a few weeks between that scene where Jamie's praying over her yeah. and Culloden. Um But it was actually around five months um, between when the Bonnie Prince decided to turn back in the battle of Culloden. So since Claire is very newly pregnant at Culloden, Brianna could not have been conceived back then. Sorry to burst your bubbles, but Outlander speeds up history there.
0: It really does. Like that's completely an honest mistake.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think we've talked before. I don't know if it was on the podcast or just chatting about, you know, how in the next two episodes, they really sort of like gloss over how really very bad it was for the, um, for the Scottish, um, the Jacobite troops during that winter um, between yeah. November and April. Um, because, they were starving they were eating their horses i mean it was it was bad and i get why outlander kind of skimmed over it like we're already sad as shit like we don't it doesn't need to get worse um yeah no that's
0: that's depressing trauma we don't want depressing trauma we just want traumatic trauma
1: we want fun trauma
0: yeah (laughs) sure (laughs) oh god considering the content warnings that we put in front of our podcast episodes so, so many weeks in a row <laughs> i don't know that fun necessarily <laughs> is the right <laughs> word <laughs> to oh, normal god. people with normal brains of which we are neither but it's yeah, it's true. <laughs> aye different aye. it's a different flavor
1: are you ready to be horrified Oh, I was hoping we were skipping it today. (laughs) Go ahead. Hit me with it.
0: I'm going to preface it this week by saying, let's try to take the lighthearted approach to this conversation. Okay. So as Sandringham is explaining how lucky Claire is that she was only you know, a, attempted, you know, he only attempted to have her raped and not killed. <laughs> Glossing over the gratuitous, unnecessary sexual violence that this actually refers to. Let's pretend that didn't happen for the sake of the horror. Sandringham explains that he owned Saint Germain a bunch of money. And um, this is like the premise to a really Bad porno. Oh no, I don't have enough <laughs> money to pay the bill. There must be something I can do to work it off. You think that's all he did to pay that debt? Come on. Oh, he was no, 100% stuck in his no. debt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 100%. So there you go. Yeah. Saint Germain. I'm
0: not even, and the I'm not even that generally.
1: horrified by that. Like, they deserve each other, honestly.
0: They do. Although, still, there was still a thing with the Comte and Jamie. And I know you don't think so, but it it was there. (laughs)
1: There was a little something. Uh, He does not, the comp does not deserve Jamie. Um, (laughs) Just leave it at that.
0: Sometimes Jamie does some shit that pisses me off, and I think it does work the other way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So you, you didn't really horrify me, so I, I can see it. I can see I it.
0: I will try harder next time.
1: I was going to say, you don't have to try harder next time. Like this <laughs> is fine. This was perfectly fine.
0: Challenge accepted. Oh, God. <laughs> Challenge accepted.
1: <sighs> so what about fix? We've got fix stuff to, to talk about, maybe. So
0: I was... Uh... Chatting with a friend a couple of days ago, and um, of course, somehow, I can't imagine, this doesn't sound like me at all, but somehow, like, the Scottish prisoner came up in conversation. It never <laughs> happens, ever. I know, I'm, sh- I'm really surprised. Right? It's obviously not the book that plagues my peace and, like, has stolen my soul. Anyway, um, I feel like everyone's favorite scene to redo in the Scottish prisoner is the duel at the end with 12 trees and yeah oh like like to fix the aftermath right and as they should because obviously jamie should have been taking care of his wounded boyfriend slash husband because they were married at that point anyway but what if what if 12 trees actually won the duel think about this but here's the thing. Jamie's got really great reflexes, right? So what if he saw that 12 Trees was about to win and John was about to, you know, die and he dove in and killed 12 Trees right before he could deliver the killing blow? Mm. That would be some shit. Right. But now John's disgraced because this, you know, duel for his honor has been cheated by his his own second and now jamie's a murderer again well they would have no choice of course but to flee london
1: they're gonna have to flee london and Mm -hmm. stay in many inns with only one bed of course
0: or like sweet talk their way into you know some old spinsters cottage you know because think about it because john was wounded in the duel so you know, but even still, like all, all Jamie has to do is get them out of the city, and he's gonna he's gonna disappear like a ghost, right? So mm-hmm. Harry, of course, is gonna cover for them, of course, because cause he was there, you know, our, our pansexual icon. He's he's gonna cover for them somehow, obstructs the pursuit. Now Hal would I would assume cash in his very last favor to take personal yeah. command of the search, obviously,
1: and I think you know. Hal would have to decide like is it better to just sort of let them go and not face not have John face the disgrace of coming back. And he, you mm-hmm. know, I you know, Hal's kind of fond of Jamie. Um, maybe he doesn't want to have to arrest him and try him for murder. So you know Well, I mean, he, he
0: had just he had just sponsored their couple's retreat to Ireland.
1: I know. And he's like, you know what? Let them start a new life. Yeah. See, I think he would help
0: them fake their death. You know, kind of like how John helped Percy fake his death. Yes. So, but yeah, the the hardest part would be getting out of the city. But I think between Harry and Hal, you know, two respected colonels, while they were, I think that they could probably, they could probably do it. And then... You know, even with John injured, though, Jamie would, as soon as they, as soon as they got out, they, they disappear.
1: Harry would have them smuggled out in dresses. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'm not 100%. sure where they're going. Where are they got to get a dress? Pick it up to <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> you know, some of the whores were probably big ladies. So, you know, there's definitely a market for that. So... You know, I'm sure he could have dug something up. <laughs> I, Tom would
0: alter something. There you
1: go. There you go. go. Tom he'd get Bird. Like, he'd get like two dresses and Tom would just magic it up. There we go. Two dresses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they come to Jamie's knees. <laughs>
1: there we go. Oh, God. And it would be a nice call back to um, Lord John in the private matter. Yes, exactly. I mean, who does not think Outlander is queer? We've got cross-dressing. We've got, you know, honeymoons in Ireland. Like, I don't know how anyone could be like, it's not queer.
0: (laughs) It's totally, totally straight. No.
1: (laughs) So, uh, the only thing, and I did say this in my, in our episode thing for episode 2.11, or no, 2.10, I did admit that I did not, um, I don't know, 2.8, whatever, that I did not finish that fic. Oh, the Christmas fic. Yeah, because what happened is I was doing a writing prompt challenge in my other fandom mm-hmm. and it was like enemies to lovers just one bed like it was really good like trapped in a snowstorm and it was supposed to be like maybe like a six to seven k fic and it ended up being like 18k Jesus. and i got it done i got it done right before like the date i think like December 23rd. Cause I didn't want to be dealing with it over, you know, the actual holidays and stuff. Um, right. it was a beast. I love it, but it was, I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, you know, I'm like, I am like 12 K words in and they haven't even kissed what is going on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't finish it. I'm like, well, maybe next year. And I'm like, you know what, maybe next year I, it'll end with like two years later. And I'll be like, gotcha like i totally planned this to not come out for two years Duh. there you go um yeah and now i'm i'm writing another fic for another prompt and i just messaged my friend my friends um and i was like i'm 5k into this fic and the sky hasn't even come out of the coma yet um <laughs> uh someone needs to wake him up bro And then I was like writing this like other part where he was still in the car. And I was like, Beth, you have to fucking stop. Like, just, (laughs) just stop your, your self. And like, and they think that's the problem is that like with some of these um, one shots, like it gives me an opportunity to like write something that's, you know, different than like a work in progress that I'm working on. That's like multi-chapter. And I get like, I kind of just like indulge in it a little. And then I'm just like, okay, Beth, you have to stop. <laughs> That's the point of fic though.
0: If you're <laughs> not, if you're not indulging every little impulsive desire, why are you even writing it? It's true. It's true.
1: Oh my God.
0: So but anyway. Uh, but 18,000 words.
1: Did you write all that in the month of December? I started it. 'Cause it was like the no- it was like the November December prompt because they combined those two months. So I started it at right around Thanksgiving.
0: That's insane, ma'am. Yeah. Holy <laughs> hell. That's a lot for the most stressful six weeks of the year. That's a lot of words.
1: <laughs> I was like, Yeah, I'm Good taking a break God. from the cod- the podcast. Like <laughs> this is so relaxing. <laughs> it was one of those things though where it was like really just kind of flowing out of me which was uh, hasn't happened to me in a long time so yeah it was it was nice but it was just but then the problem was because it was 18k it was like it took me like four days to edit the freaking thing right (laughs) that's a lot I think I think it was like I think it was, like, 1850, like, 18500, and I, I think I ended up cutting, like, almost 500 words in editing. So, wow. I mean, it definitely, it took a long time, but, yeah. So, yeah. So, maybe next year, Outlander, I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> hey. Christmas, will be here again if you if you want to make it a Christmas. It could be Christmas in July.
1: We could do, yeah, I was just going to say, we could do Christmas in July, Christmas so, in July. you know. Uh, we'll
0: see. So there we go. Well, this has been a very fun conversation.
1: I think we have made it to the end. A fun conversation for a not so fun episode. So mission accomplished.
0: Sandra Gim's head coming off. That that was fun. That made the rest <laughs> of the trauma just so worth it. My favorite. My favorite scenes in this this episode were, of course, the decapitation and. Surprisingly enough, Dougal saving Rupert on the horse while they're nice. Riding full full tilt. That was my
1: they were fun. I I do love just watching the Highlander be Highlander badasses like, you know, the sword fighting and the Horse, horse shenanigans so <laughs> and isn't that what Outlander is really about
0: it really is it's about sword <laughs> fights and horse shenanigans and it kind of just <laughs> never mind I'm gonna stop
1: yeah that, yeah don't don't follow <laughs> that train You so it's where I was going <laughs> time to say goodnight <laughs> <laughs> say goodnight pan goodnight pan
0: <laughs> alright thank you everyone for listening we will talk to you again next week Bye-bye. bye bye Bye. If you're listening to this, it means you survived another episode of Lord John Lander. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter or Tumblr at Lord John or on our website at lordjohnlander.wordpress.com slash contact us.
1: All opinions expressed on the Lord John Lander podcast belong to us and are not affiliated with Outlander, Sony, Stars, and definitely 100% not with Diana Gabaldon.
0: This podcast is not suitable for children, immature adults, homophobes, anyone who takes fandom seriously, people who don't understand that the characters aren't real, people with sticks up their ass, people who hate fun, and people with no sense of humor. Do not try any of these hot takes at home. We are professionals. And if you know us in real life, no you don't.